1: Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self podcast. I'm excited to introduce to you Scott Bannerman, who is the founder of Sit Tight. Now, we all know we've been sitting far too much these days, and this is causing all kinds of chronic conditions, back pain, amongst other things that actually lead to frustration and lack of focus in our work. So I'm so excited to see that there's more products coming out to help us with this problem. Welcome, Scott.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
1: So Scott, tell us how you got to this place, because I know you didn't start out with building chairs. So where are you at now, and how did you get
2: here? Well, I actually landed here again because I think uh, I uh, mentioned before when we were talking at the uh, Consumer Electronics Show how I came out of the technology world and uh, found myself in a situation where I took a desk job and put on quite a bit of weight over about a year period of time. And with really not a whole lot of change in lifestyle, my diet was the same, everything else, level of exercise, pretty much the same, but I was spending, you know, eight to 12 hours a day uh, parked in front of a computer screen and that seemed to be the culprit. And so I, uh, literally crawled out of a swimming pool one day and was sitting in a, a pool chair, looked down at my stomach and went, Oh my goodness, what's happened here? And, uh, that really was the driving force to go out and try to create a chair that would actually burn calories while I was sitting.
1: I love it. And it's far more than just a chair to burn calories. I mean, it really forces you to sort of just be in movement so that your body's not falling asleep. So can you describe the chair a little bit for our listeners? Because obviously, they can't see what it is we're talking about here.
2: Yeah, the sit tight chair, if you um, start at the ground level, there's a third of a sphere filled with air. And that really is is what makes the chair dynamically unstable. And there are a number of active sitting chairs out there today that at first blush might look similar. But the difference is with every one of them, your feet rest on the floor. And the chair really just allows you to move when you remember to do that. But it doesn't really have much more of an impact than that. And with sit tight, your feet are actually up on a footrest platform on top of that third of a sphere shaped air bladder so you're really more riding the chair than you are sitting on it it actually gives you a sensation similar to riding a bike and a couple of things happen with that number one you know all of your postural muscles your paraspinal muscles everything that runs through your core that really allows you to balance it gets a, an extreme workout compared to just sitting in a in a stable chair so your heart rate runs up with the engagement of those core muscles. And uh, there's a pretty big difference. You're, if you're using a heart rate monitor like the Fitbit or an Apple Watch, average user will see their heart rate run up over 15%.
1: I love it. So is this something that you can sit on sort of your whole workday? Or would you use it just for an hour or two or 20 minutes? Or what, what do you recommend?
2: Well, we do recommend that people start out fairly slowly. I mean, if you think about it, every chair that you encounter in, uh, in your life, from your kitchen table to your car, has a backrest on it, right? So most of the time, we're leaning into a backrest, and all of those postural muscles, when they lean into, especially a good ergonomic chair with really good support, it almost becomes like a brace or a cast, if you've ever broken an arm or a leg, you know that When they take that cast off, uh, your limbs are not the same size anymore because the muscles atrophy as they're being supported. And the same problem comes with sitting in a really good ergonomic chair. If you could live your whole life in the chair and have somebody push you around in it, you'd be fine. The problem is that you sit in that chair with all that great support, then you get up and try to go out and be active. And the next thing you know, you're, you're at a chiropractor trying to have your vertebrae put back into alignment because the muscles that would normally hold all that in place pretty much gone to mush. And, uh, you know, that was a problem for me as well because I have a, a lower back issue with a, a disc that's in bad shape between L4 and L5. So I'm pretty familiar with back pain and the things that come along with that. And for years I thought the right answer was an ergonomic chair. And now I'm learning that while I started out with sit tight as a way to burn calories and keep my weight down the, uh, unexpected, uh, pleasant uh, experience from that has been a much stronger back and a lot less back problems.
1: And that's an awesome thing. I like the Oscar that we speak often about on our show. We talk about the importance of, you know, sort of your core health and also countering chronic conditions, chronic pain conditions with things that are you know, not medicated. There's, you know, we have such an opiate crisis in our country. And if we can find ways and solutions to actually counter that by building our inner strength and building our, our body's own capabilities to, to fight that, that's a pretty powerful tool to provide. Have you found that companies are receptive to this as, as a solution for that in corporate wellness?
2: Yeah, the uh, corporate wellness crowd moves pretty slow. You know, when you're working with HR companies, they are HR departments rather within large companies. They tend to be very slow indeed. But it's interesting that fitness folks have been the people that have probably driven traffic for us more than anything else. Lots of large companies now have gyms built into their facilities. They oftentimes have personal trainers that come with them and they really take their... Their employees' health seriously. And those have been the champions really of what we're doing, probably more than anybody else in, in corporate America.
1: I love it. And one of the things we talked about in the green room was sort of the use of these tools uh, and your seat in particular for teenagers, because they do a lot of sitting, whether it's studying or gaming or whatever it is. Is that something that as a parent you can look at for integrating into your? family environment, your home environment.
2: Yeah, we do sell direct to consumers as well. And we've had a couple of things that were big surprises. The, um, the other big surprise for us that affects kids and, and adults is posture. And because we spend so much time hunching over a keyboard as children and adults, there's a real struggle with people to get their core healthy and their spine health it starts from good posture. And what we didn't realize we first started out is because the air bladder under the sit tight can be adjusted with air pressure we tell people if you want to get it to fit you the best and give you the best physical fitness that you're going to get from it you have to keep adding air until you literally cannot stay balancing on your center of gravity with poor posture because you know your body optimizes really good balance with good posture and if you think of a prima ballerina or you think of a gymnast on a balance beam those aren't people you're going to see with poor posture looking like a caveman, you know, hunched over its shoulders back, chest up, really good athletic position, right? So that was a big surprise for us as people added more and more air to burn more calories. It had this this added benefit of having them sit up very straight without really even having to say anything. And it's because your body knows to move to a position of good posture when your your balance is extremely challenged. So for kids, that that was a huge issue too. a lot of parents are noticing their kids are walking around slouched over staring into their their screen on their their mobile phones and typing away. And um, when I was a kid, they used to make you put a book on your head and balance that book on your head to work on your posture. And in essence, we're doing pretty much the same thing here. We're just doing it with your whole body. For years, people have
1: been studying things like the Alexander Method and looking at the importance of posture, not just on your physical well-being, but also on your emotional well-being and how you're perceived by others when you have good posture. Is this something that you've also looked at and how, for example, I do a lot of video conferencing. If, I'm, if my posture is better, how is that improving the type of engagement that I have? Have you looked into that at all?
2: You know, I think if you look at it as a behavioral scientist, I'm sure that there is a message that's being sent out, right? I and mean, if we watch the evening news, you're not going to see anybody doing the news slumping into their chair, right? Everybody sits up on the, the front part of their chair, sits up very straight. They're not reclining into a backrest. And it's probably also why public speaking is typically done standing at a podium. Same idea, right? I'm sure there's, there's a lot of messaging that goes along with that. For me, I just noticed that when my posture is really good, I look an inch taller and I look 10 pounds lighter and what the heck, you know, and, and that comes without any time at the gym. So uh, I, I think once most people head down this path and started dressing their posture as they sit, and now we're doing the same thing with standing because the sit tight chair is also designed to be able to remove the actual seat part of the chair and stand on the footrest platform and balance while you're working at a stand-up desk. So whether you're talking sitting or standing, I, I think it's hard to find anybody who has a problem with improving your posture, especially when it happens in a situation like this where it's completely subconscious.
1: So true. It's just sort of that first step of getting people, you know, everyone's aware that having poor posture is a bad thing, but aware and willing to actually make the effort to create the change that such a tool can provide for them. Have you looked into any programs? Are there any programs that support the use of sit tight and sort of integrating it as part of another program?
2: We're already working with, uh, from the physical side of things, we have a kinesiology study that is underway uh, with a large university on the East coast. We also have found that because it isn't just the physical aspect of what's happening with the chair We kept getting so much anecdotal evidence, feedback from people about their ability to stay focused for longer periods of time as they sat on a sit tight. And as we dug into it, we realized there's a couple things happening. Your heart rate's elevated. The parts of your brain that actually control balance in your body also happen to be the parts of your brain that affect cognition. So things like mental processing speed, your ability to to pay attention, focus, all are, are driven by that. And so we have a high school for kids with attention deficit in Texas has been working with us for over a year. A couple new high schools coming on this fall where they're actually providing sit tights for students that struggle with attention. And so that was another big surprise for us. We didn't really start out, obviously, thinking that that would, would have a big impact. But the people that are probably the most interested right now in, in working with this as an ongoing program either to help employees be more productive or students to be more uh, effective and be able to pay attention more uh, during class has been the the actual mental impact, the the impact on your brain more than the impact on your body.
1: I would imagine that's so true. And I think that you look at there was a whole wave where people were having kids sit on a bouncing ball you know those big you know sort of therapy balls but those are pretty distracting in the classroom when they start bouncing around and and, you know, there's other aspects to that. But, uh, you know, ADD is not something that's just as in childhood as from some people never outgrow it. So I would think that people working in creative fields, often they come from an ADD type of a brain, and it might actually really help to focus in on their creativity and turn it into a very productive and, and helpful solution. So it's much needed in lots of different areas. So I want to take a little bit of a swing. But before we do, just for those of you who've been listening, Scott has been very nice to offer to our audience a discount code so that we can try this thing out. It's a wonderful chair. We have one and actually my son's been using it and really enjoying it when he sits there and does his homework. I didn't know you could actually stand on it. So I might actually try it on my standing desk now. I can get the space for it. But for those of you who are interested, go to the show notes, you'll see that you can either click on a link there. Or if you're listening, you can just write down 2 BU." That's the number two letter B and letter U uh, uh, under the coupon code, and that will give you a discount. And it also helps support our show. So uh, without further ado, i I want to actually switch a little bit more towards how do you as an entrepreneur as an executive how do you use technology to support your own digital well-being and how do you make sure obviously you've got the sit tight to make sure that you've got your body in alignment and you're keeping in shape but what about the rest of you?
2: Well, I think that uh, like you, I've, I have a standing desk. Although you know that that's probably more of a physical thing than technology. But I'm I'm starting to realize too that it, it isn't just about you know your posture as you sit and the, the the height of your workspace, let's say around you and what you're doing with your keyboard, mouse, and everything. I'm I'm starting to see, I guess, because we're focused on people's posture, how important it is to get your screens up really high too, from an ergonomic standpoint. So I um, have gotten to a point now where I've kind of got addicted to very large screens to be working on. I'm I'm using two 27 inch Macs next to each other that are, are actually connected. So it gives me a lot of screen real estate. I've moved that up physically high enough so that no matter whether I'm standing, sitting, whatever I'm doing, I'm looking directly across into the screen and so for me, I, I'm I'm trying to maximize screen space. This probably has to do with being attention deficit myself and wanting to be able to just get enough stuff up and on the screen, so I'm not constantly having to move, you know, from from just one screen to the other. So for me, I think it's ergonomics, large amounts of screen real estate, and uh, from a technology standpoint, I'm constantly fighting with speed, you know. It's, forever trying to make sure the internet speeds up to where it needs to be. And every time somebody comes up with a newer, better phone, I'm a pretty early adopter of all that. Uh, and I think look at the tools that that we all use day to day, whatever you're doing for your workspace at a desktop, on into portability, and then right all the way down to a phone in your pocket or, or purse, you know, you Without those tools, I just don't see how anybody can operate today. So I probably put more of my emphasis there than anywhere else from a technology standpoint.
1: That's something we struggle with. And we even saw today or you and I experienced today when we were getting set up. It's always good to check your speeds because it's not the same everywhere. And the technology it really requires of today requires such high bandwidth Then we take for granted that we'll find that and we'll have all the tools available to us. So it's finding things that work for optimizing our work situation and our living situation. So what kind of technologies do you use for when you're not working? You know, your free time. Do you use any uh, technologies like a Strava or for finding the best restaurant or finding the best ski slope. Cause I know we share that in common. We're skiers. So what sure. other kinds of things to, have you found that have made your life a little bit easier?
2: You know, I think uh, it's funny. You mentioned the restaurant thing. I, um, have, have definitely become a pretty big user of Yelp. Um, I do travel quite a bit for work and for pleasure and have found that to be an incredibly helpful tool. You know, we're on the road. Invariably we're going to be ending up in restaurants typically. And, uh, I don't know what we did before that to try to figure out what a good restaurant where it was, I guess we'd have to, you know, talk to a concierge or, 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 get, you know, local information from somebody, but it's so nice to be able to land in a, in a city you're unfamiliar with. And I don't know if we're calling Uber technology, but I I'd have to tell you, I, I probably use ride sharing more than I have uh, than I would rent cars only because I find that to be time. I can be productive instead of, you know, busy trying to navigate and figure out where I'm going and not get run over. So from the time I land and, and uh, get in some, some form of uh, rideshare, whether it's, you know, Uber or one of the others, I tend to utilize Hotels Tonight as, as probably the quickest, easiest way, technology-wise, to find really good deals on great hotel rooms. And I'd say Yelp fits right into the rest of that. You know, skiing, it's interesting. I think there are apps out there now. Pretty much all the ski resorts have their own app. You can track your uh, progress throughout the day and you know how much vertical feet you're actually getting in. And finding places around the mountain just makes it super easy. But uh, I, I think it, it all seems to hub back to that portable phone. It's so interesting that without that, most of this, it wouldn't even be possible. You know, it's it's pretty amazing how it's changed our lives.
1: Well, and it's funny that you even still refer to it as a phone. I mean, that we all do, and that it has so much more. It's basically your portable computer, and it's far more powerful than any computer we had 10 years ago. So, yeah, so much more. And it's so easy for us to just say that, that it's not that, you know, it's a phone. I laugh with my kids when they call it a phone, because I think they don't really use the phone functionality on it. They certainly don't answer the phone when somebody rings.
2: Especially a parent, right? (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. But I don't think they call each other.
2: You're right. Yeah, absolutely. I notice it too. And I think it's, it is funny that uh, the things that, that I would do, even to leave someone a message, a voicemail message, my kids just look at me and roll their eyes. They're like, why didn't you just text me? <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm probably, some of those old habits are dying hard. But um, once again, we're, we're, we're back to that device as the way, whether we're texting or online or, you know, searching through social media or trying to find a place to eat or a hotel to stay at or what have you. It is amazing to me, whether you're looking up the weather or checking ski conditions or whatever, you can't get very far without that thing. And the other thing that I think is probably happening more with me now just because what we're doing with Sittite is, is so involved in, in your physical health as well is all the wearable technology that's out there today, whether we're talking about an Apple phone or Fitbit or any of the other heart rate monitoring devices, Garmin has a number of devices out, Polar, there's, there's quite a few, and as you're able to read what's happening with your body through technology, and then share that. Again, it seems to hub back to the phone. I even now have moved over to a heart rate monitor ring, and it just looks like a normal ring on your finger, but you charge it up every two or three days, and it does what a big rubber strap on your wrist would do. So it's kind of amazing to me. The company that, the particular ring I have is from Motive, and uh, that technology I have found to be a lot less you know, just comfortable, if you will, than, than wearing a a big wrist strap. But we're, um, I think our lives are going to change dramatically as we go from just being able to measure things like your heart rate, body temperature is probably going to come from that soon. I um, have talked to people that uh, are involved with diabetes and they're saying that it won't be long. You'll just have a patch on your arm. That'll read your blood sugar and be communicating your phone in real time. So, There's some pretty big changes coming. I think we actually even have a patent at this point at SitType that involves utilizing an accelerometer and a gyrometer in the chair to be able to measure your movement as you balance on the chair. And because you have folks out there like Garmin who have a watch that now is tied to a accelerometer chip that can be tied to a chair, we're probably the first people that'll come along and and want to actually include heart rate monitoring along with movement in the chair, because frankly, our chair is probably the only one you're going to sit in where your heart rate can go up 15 to 20%. So I think taking a lot of these cool technologies that are out there today, and being able to stitch them together and take that movement, you know, match it up with heart rate, body temp, all the other things that would you'd find interesting if you're trying to measure your health is just That's just on the physical side. And now we have a lot of people approaching us on being able to actually utilize the patent we have in the technology in the chair to uh, reset your your mind and your ability to stay focused every few hours at your chair by literally effectively playing a video game on your screen through the movement of your body as you balance on our chair. So just another example of where technology just keeps making its way deeper into every aspect of what we're doing.
1: I love it, it was exactly what I was going to lead into a question for you. So you answered it before I even asked it. But I was curious, because one of the things you didn't mention, and maybe you've already taken this into account, but so a lot of the different devices, whether you call it a phone, or whether it's a tablet or whatever, have some kind of a health Sort of catalog where it's collecting yep. the data for both for your own tracking, but also for the ability to really understand what's happening, so that your you know your healthcare professionals can actually support you better. Is that something that's also thought about when you're looking at when oh, you actually put in this accelerometer and these other pieces where it feeds the data in? Because obviously you got the heart rate tracking, but why is it tracking? And the other piece is you have lots of devices that will track how far you've moved from point A to point B or how many steps you've taken. But if you're actually getting an active workout while you're sitting, is that something you can track just by the accelerometer? So those were sort of two different questions, but in the same vein.
2: Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the accelerometer and gyrometer, which of course are in everybody's mobile phone as well, that that part of the technology can is resident on a pretty small chip that can be embedded directly into our chair. But one of the chips we're looking at that's an existing technology that's out there has 10 channels available. So, you know, there's there's many other health related things that can be tied into that. Heart rate was just an obvious one because a lot of these devices have a heart rate monitor built into them, so why not use it? And it's a pretty good yardstick to see, you know, just exactly how much exercise you're getting, People oftentimes will ask us, well, how many calories can you burn on the chair? And the answer is a little more complicated because it is affected by things like gender, weight, height. There's just uh, so many other things that come into play that it's easier for us to work with the companies that have the health apps already out there. You know, Apple has a health app, for example. Um, Every one of the people that are doing heart rate monitors, they have them as well. And so... I think, in my opinion, better to use their health apps than for us to create one because we just don't want people thinking that this is not an independent measurement of what's really going on. And so we'd rather work with the existing technologies that are out there and, and just provide the chair and the, with the uh, connected chip. So from there, you know, for example, even the, the heart rate monitoring ring that I'm using right now, connects directly into the Apple Health app. So I can, I can look at that data in either place. And that's more the path we would pursue. I think it's important because of every behavioral study that's ever been done out there to try to measure like workers productivity, for example. You know, they seem, they've tried everything from turning the lights up to turning the lights down, to trying to play music, to opening the drapes, closing the drapes, whatever. All these different studies that have been done over the years, what they've really come back and realized is that if you're doing anything and you're paying attention to those workers, the productivity is going to go up because human nature being what it is, people just do more of whatever anyone's paying attention to, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's no different when you're raising your kids. If you want more really good behavior, pay attention to it. Make sure they know that you're paying attention to them and, and give them the, the, um, positive affirmation from what they want works the same for us with all of these health apps. If people know that it's being monitored and and they themselves can monitor it, you're going to get more of it, right? It's, it's when it just goes into a black hole and you're not really paying attention and, and, and nor is anyone else. And it just feels after a while, like why bother to exercise? Like why, why go for a 15 minute walk? What difference is it really going to make? No one's noticing, probably not going to help you anyway. But these apps leave none of that. <laughs> you know, There's no obscurity there. When you look at that, you can see exactly what you've done hour-to-hour, day-to-day, week-to-week, and month-to-month. So talk about big data. You know, If you're using heart, any kind of heart rate monitor and you've been using it for years, it just creates enormous amounts of data. We're hoping that that will drive people more towards healthy behavior.
1: I love it. It's funny because as you're saying this, I was thinking about when I did my uh, dissertation study, a lot of it was people were more aware that they were being studied, and so they were more present. But the other piece is that even for the devices that were trying to help you meditate and be more mindful, it sort of became this competitive mindfulness of like, who can get a better score because their brain was more calm? I was just, I was sort of chuckling to myself as you were talking, thinking about competitive sitting, you know, sort of <laughs> who can <laughs> who can get a better balance score? Maybe it should be competitive balance rather than competitive sitting, but it could be kind of funny to see the... The results. We're
2: already seeing it. Yeah, it's funny We're, when we work with high schools, the kids will get on there and they'll go, oh, that's kind of easy. And they'll flip it over and pump a little bit more air in because there's a very simple hand pump with a needle valve that they use to add or take away air to make it either harder or easier to sit on. And really, if you will, adjust it for each individual person. And of course, probably mostly the boys, but they're, they'll get it pumped up and balance on it. And if the next child that comes along can't balance, they're so like, oh yeah, well, hey, you know, it, it's it's so funny because it's almost like I run faster than you, I lift more weight than you, and oh by the way, I can balance better than you too. But I think that necessarily for us, if that's what it takes to get kids interested in something that, like this fantastic, we do find that the impact on kids that really struggle with attention is profound. And the more profound their struggle is with attention, the more they tend to get very territorial about their sit tight chairs and not let anybody near them, I think they just realized hey, this is making a big difference for me. And um, up until now, a lot of this has just been anecdotal. But we did do a brain map study with a clinic in Colorado Springs called Turning Point Medical, and they um, found, sure enough, you know, when when measuring brain activity while people were balancing on our chair, the parts of the brain that were active. While uh, trying to keep that user on center of gravity are exactly the the parts of your brain that, that control cognitive thought. And so, you know, all your cognitive abilities are what you need to stay focused and to be productive or more productive. And from memorization to mental processing speed, they're all impacted. And it helps for us to understand now why we sell a lot of our chair to engineers or attorneys that are contract engineers and have to focus for hours at a time while working on a contract. Anybody that really has that intense need to stay focused have been probably some of our better customers.
1: I can think of plenty of people that fit into that category. Uh, We could go on like that for hours, but if you think about all the authors, uh, sometimes it's hard to just, you know, sit and get that stuff done and get it out. So thank you so much for doing the work that you're doing. And uh, for those of you listening, don't forget, if you want to order one of the Sit Tight, you can go check out their products on the sittight.com site and use the discount code to be you so that you can get a little discount and support the show in the process. Scott, do you have any closing words that you would like to share with the audience in terms of how to make sure that technology becomes something that supports you rather than becomes a distraction to your life?
2: Yeah, I think that the key to that as, and it's becoming more and more obvious to me, the more you're seeing technology take over big chunks of people's lives and uh, it is supposed to be a tool. It is supposed to help. That's been the idea from the get go, right? And I think the only advice I would have there is just to remember that it is just that. It's a tool it needs to be used to make you more productive. And you know, I guess if spending hour upon hour uh, on social media, feeling bad about yourself because everybody else's life seems so much better than yours, if you're viewing that as time well spent, then your technology is helping you, but I think people are really starting to take a hard look at things like that now and recognize that there are just times where you have to set it aside and make sure that you're using it for good and that it's, and it's being good for you. And I think the studies now are getting really hard to ignore that there's a time, sometimes the best thing we can do with our technology is set it down and focus on the relationships in our life and connecting with people directly and being of service to other people. Instead of, you know, just burning away hours, uh, you know, looking at everybody else's fabulous life. So I think more than anything else, it's making sure you're using that tool appropriately and not overusing it.
1: Great closing words. And thank you so much for the work that you are doing in terms of helping us get a little closer to that. So thank you so much for joining us today, Scott. It's been a pleasure speaking with you and look forward to checking out the sit tight a little bit more and seeing how we can integrate that into our work life here in the Two Balance View studios. Scott, thank you again. And for those of you digital selfers out there, thank you for joining us today. If you like the show, please make sure that you take some time and subscribe so that you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. We look forward to next time. Until then, bye bye for now.
0: Thank you for joining us for the evolving digital self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of digital self-mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.